You're listening to the Hippie Haven Podcast, where we have real-life conversations about all things hippie, from veganism to zero waste to tiny living and everything in between. I'm your host, Callie. I'm a nomadic entrepreneur traveling the United States in a van with a mission of encouraging people to live an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle. With this podcast, I want to show you how easy it can be to take small steps that make a big difference in saving our planet. Let's get started. Today, I'm chatting with Polly Barks of Green Indie Blog. Polly is a full-time zero-waste activist with a focus on making zero-waste accessible for all. In this episode, Polly and I talk about what zero-waste really is and why zero is misleading, how you can find or create a zero-waste community in your town, what to do if your family isn't on the same page, plus so many other valuable tips on how to advocate for zero-waste. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your journey into sustainable living. Okay, um, so I'm Polly. I run Green Indie Blog, which I started about a year ago. Um, I live in Lafayette, Indiana, um, but I actually started my zero waste journey in Indianapolis. Um, so I've been practicing zero waste since about 2015 when I first moved to Indianapolis. Um, I was living in a low-income neighborhood, um, and I really got a first-hand look at what happens when there isn't infrastructure to take care of trash. Um, I had been very privileged before that to, you know, just throw trash in the trash can and have it go away, Um, but our trash doesn't really go away. It just goes somewhere else, and I was living in that somewhere else. So, yeah, I mean, my husband and I were living with a very low income. We didn't have a car in a food desert, but I really wanted a way to make some real changes in my life. Um, And I came across the idea of zero waste. So I just, you know, experimented, saw what worked, saw what didn't, and just have been building on that for the last um, about three years. And, you know, I find that my perspective of coming at it without money or access to, you know, bulk or even fresh produce really kind of opened my mind to the challenges that people face and, you know, how we need to make this whole movement a lot more accessible. Definitely. And what is the meaning of zero waste to you? I know there's a lot of misconceptions about it. So what is your opinion of the term zero waste? Sure. So, I mean, zero waste originally, and I think a lot of people don't know this, was an industrial term. And it's talking about a way to entirely change our economy. Um, So instead of being a linear economy, right, where we produce something, we ship it, we consume it, and it goes in the landfill, um, zero waste was talking about creating a circular economy. So things aren't going to the landfill. um, They're getting reused in many different ways. So obviously that's kind of beyond the scope of the individual. Um, So for me, zero waste um, doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I mean, it's a nice way to um, let people know what I'm about and, you know, to meet like-minded people, but zero waste as an individual, it's not zero. Um, I think it's just, you know, making uh, very conscious efforts to reduce our waste as much as possible. but with the realization that we don't live in an economy that supports creating zero waste. It's just, it's not possible, but, you know, zero waste is the movement that's 
trying to make that possible someday. (laughs) Someday, hopefully very soon. Hopefully. And how did you decide to start your own local zero waste community? How did that whole idea come about? Um, so when I was in Indianapolis, there is a zero waste indie group online. Um, and there's some good online dialogue, but unfortunately there's not a lot of in-person meetups, um, which is what I really wanted when I was starting and thinking, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. I would love to have somebody, um, you know, to help me out and guide me. So when I moved up to Lafayette about seven months ago, I decided that I kind of wanted to be that person. Um, and I had, you know, a chance in a new city with no zero waste um, group in place to really kind of start that um, and explore it myself. Um, just because I know, you know, when I started, I didn't have anybody to talk to. And that was really important for me. And it would have made me progress a lot faster. So creating a group where people can share ideas, ask questions, plan meetups, um, you know, get together in real life to learn new skills is is really important, I think, for everyone interested in this um, because it, it gives them a sense of community and a sense that they're not alone in just this crazy idea that they're working on. Absolutely. I think a support group for anything is really important. And you also do... Um a number of zero waste workshops in your community as well. Can you walk me through the process of how you do a workshop? How do you get in touch with those companies? How do you plan it? Um, how do you, how do you do it? How do you get up there in front of strangers and talk to people? Um, I hate talking in front of strangers. Um, (laughs) So it's kind of miserable, but I was a teacher for seven years. So I got that forced out of me. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think zero waste workshops or zero waste adjacent workshops are so important just because, I mean, not everybody is going to be interested in coming to a meetup that is talking about zero waste stuff. Um, But what people are interested in is learning how to make things or getting to take something home. So kind of engaging in these hands-on workshops have been so helpful to reach out to the wider audience. And kind of in terms of how they are planned and executed, um, I mean, the first couple I did myself in my house. (laughs) My first workshop, I had 12 people stuffed inside my tiny kitchen making deodorant. Um, (laughs) He's gotten a little fancier than that now. Um, But I think the big thing is just to kind of try to gauge, first of all, what people are interested in. I've tried to put together workshops. that didn't do so well because I was doing what I was interested in, um, not what the community was interested in. So I think, you know, figuring out something that's that's exciting for your specific community is a good place to start. Um, and then once you have that idea, um, if you do want to work with local organizations, I would just think of groups that, you know, would find value in the work you're doing. So I have worked with local um land preservation organizations. That's a pretty easy option. Um, I've also worked with the local food bank, um, as well as the public library. So there's lots of, especially nonprofits, looking for programming. So that's a great place to start. Um, And often they have a little bit of a fund so they can 
buy supplies for you so you won't need to provide them. Yeah, and then I mean, once once you've kind of figured out the time and the place, and if you're going to be working with someone, it's really just a matter of promoting it. it. It helps. It's much easier for me because I have, you know, a decent sized Instagram and a website and a local group. But, you know, just share in local Facebook groups, ask local organizations to share it, get in contact with your newspapers and TV stations and just get the word out there. And I think once you start doing them, um, it becomes much easier. Um, people are always excited and always ask a ton of questions and it's really not as scary as you think. So definitely give it a try. What tips do you have for introverts to take action in their community? Yeah, I mean, I totally understand. Um, I am an introvert. People do not believe that. Um, but like, if it were my choice, I would be sitting at home all day on a computer. I, I would rather not interact with people, but I've made that part of my job because that's important. Um, the thing with zero waste is while it is really important for people to take on these individual responsibilities, at the end of the day, you as one person is not as effective as an entire community of people. And I think if you're really passionate, then there's a way to engage with your community, um, even if you don't necessarily enjoy it like me um and then also I mean not everybody needs to be leading workshops and you know being the face of it um I mean you can donate your time to volunteer you can donate your money um to different organizations so there are lots of different ways to engage um but I think for a lot of people if you are one of the first people in your community really interested in zero waste, you're going to have to take that step. And I think just being aware that people are interested and people are excited and people will show up to your events, um, just give it a try. I mean, everybody's much nicer than you would think. <laughs> Good. I would hope so. Now, you posted recently on your blog about privilege in the zero waste community. Can you elaborate on that? What is privilege in the zero waste community? And what can you do if you have um, privilege? How can you use it to better the overall zero waste movement? Oh, man. <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> as much time as you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like I talked about, I kind of started out in a low-income area. Um, my background is actually working in high-risk communities with psychologically, behaviorally, emotionally traumatized children. Um, so I was working in a lot of low-income, like, very different neighborhoods than than I was used to growing up. So it gave me a perspective. It certainly doesn't take away from my privilege, but it did kind of give me a little perspective on, on what we're doing here. Um, so yeah, essentially talking privilege in the zero waste community. I mean, first of all, we can talk about, you know, the general privileges. Most people in the zero waste community, or at least the face of it, tend to be white. Um, middle to upper class. Um, so that's an immediate privilege. Um, you know, also the privilege of people having access to bulk foods, having access to fresh produce that's unpackaged, having, you know, access to produce at all, um, having space of their own 
by owning a home to grow their own food and do experiments, um, you know, the privilege of having time. So there's a lot of ways that um, I think a lot of the zero waste community, or at least the visible zero waste community is pretty privileged. And I just think that it's helpful to be aware of that. Absolutely. And do you have any ideas on ways um, for those of us that do have privilege? We have the time to DIY things. We have the money to to spend on new items to donate to charities who have the physical and mental health. Um, all these different privileges that are available. How can we use that to help people who don't have those same privileges? Sure. I mean, I think taking you know, what, like you said, taking your time or your money or even your skills um, and putting them in a useful place is incredibly powerful. And, you know, by that, I mean, um, I don't typically just run workshops. Um, I will typically talk to an organization like the food bank, for example, and try to mesh in with them and meet their needs because there are so many great community organizations already in place. Um, I think there's there's plenty of ways that we can work through that. Um, so yeah, using your, you know, your skills, whatever they may be to lead workshops, um, spreading education. Um, I, several months ago, put together homelessness kits um, to help people dealing with unstable housing in the area. Um, so providing, you know, kind of lower waste options to people without homes is great because they don't necessarily have the facilities to take care of trash. Um, another big one is menstrual cups. They are a big cost barrier to many people who might be interested in them. So that's another kind of area that I like to focus on if I'm, you know, going to do some giveaways. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially just looking for kind of the places where accessibility is limited and trying to gracefully, um, you know, meet those needs. And again, it's kind of don't come into the community with an idea of what they need. Go into the community and learn and figure out really, truly what they do need and you know, use your privileges and your resources to kind of fill those gaps, whatever they may be. And one of the many ways that you yourself spread education is through a, um, I'm totally blanking on the, the phrase for it right now, you give away bags at the local farmer's market and have sort of like a return process with that. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Okay. So it's a bag share program. Um, that's, there what I, you go. that's what I call it, at least. I don't, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what I call it. Um, yeah, so our bag share program is one of Zero Waste Lafayette's um, kind of ongoing programs. So again, just one of those ways of getting out into the community in unexpected ways, you know, right? We're not just lecturing about zero waste. We're showing, hey, here's the value. So yeah, the bag share program started this year. Um, I just very casually sent an email to the farmer's market and said, hey, this is what we do. Are you interested in you know, having some free, totally free totes there? And they said, yes, so we're there. 
Um, so essentially how it works is each week we come with bags, people borrow them, um, and then bring them back next week, hopefully. Um, so we've gotten a lot of them back. We've seen people using them. Um, we've given some produce bags to local farmers to try to educate the farmers on, you know, reducing their plastic waste. Um, so again, it's just another way of kind of communicating with the community and sharing zero waste ideas you know once they stop by to grab a bag then we can say oh hey also look at all these other cool things you can do to reduce waste um so yeah i think as many programs as you can get out into your community the more chances you have to talk to people and the bag share is a, a really fun one it is absolutely incredible how involved you are, not only in the online zero waste community with your blog, with your Instagram platform, um, but in your local community as well. It's truly an inspiration, I think. Um, how would you recommend communicating with and encouraging local businesses to go green? I know you primarily focus on um, community action, like with individuals, between individuals, um, but do you have any tips for going a little bit further than that and trying to get businesses to change their ways and be more sustainable? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, and again, the community comes right back into that. Um, the more people you have to kind of gently nudge local businesses, um, the better. So um, I haven't done too much of this, to be honest. I have plans. Um, we have one local bar that has stopped serving plastic straws. So I'm planning to do an interview and pass out straw samples to local businesses. Um, but I haven't delved too much into that. But I think, again, it's just the power of one versus the power of 20. If we decide, oh, well, we'd really like, we love your shop, but we'd love for you to stop using, you know, plastic straws, for example, since that's the big buzzword of the day. Um, having 20 people send an email rather than just one becomes much more powerful of a message. Um, and then on the flip side of that, if you have a local business that's really doing some great things, make sure that you're supporting them, you're shopping there, you're reviewing them positively on Yelp and Google and Facebook and um, just getting the word out there about the people who are doing well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's slow. It's all of this can be very painful. So if you aren't successful, like it's okay. Um, just keep trying, it's, it's, it's a slow process. What question do you get the most about zero waste? Oh, that's a good question. I think when I kind of tell people, it's usually just a general, how do you do that? <laughs> um, I don't know if there's any kind of one specific thing, but the big thing is just kind of incredulousness. Um, and I think like once people get to know me and, you know, come, maybe come over to my house and see how I live, it's not so shocking. Um, but I think for a lot of people, you know, especially in middle America where, you know, we're traditionally a little behind environmentally, um, this can kind of be a big culture shock. <laughs> so yeah, just kind of a general, but how do you do that? Um, you know, once you break it down into steps, it becomes a little more manageable, I think. Definitely. Yeah, it can seem very overwhelming at first, especially with the term zero waste. And it's 
so misleading. I mean, we went over that earlier, the the misconceptions about it. Um, But yeah, breaking it down into small steps is, is the right way to go, I would think. Now, something, an article that you're pretty well known for is talking about going zero waste uh, when your partner isn't necessarily on the same page. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with that and what you recommend to other people in a similar situation? Yeah, um, so I'm I'm married. Um, I live with my husband and my cat, both of who are kind of vaguely zero waste. Um, But, you know, after three years, I really have to say my husband has got a lot better. He takes out the compost. He will, I'm a vegetarian. He eats meat. He will ask for his meat in his own containers. So he's doing a good job, but it took quite some time. Um, So when I started, uh, my husband wasn't interested at all. Um, He's Russian. Uh, He came of age right during the collapse of the Soviet Union in a tiny wooden house that still does not have an indoor toilet. Um, So once he got these conveniences, he really wanted to hold on to them. And it's hard to tell your husband no (laughs) um, when he can give you that backstory. Um, So even if they don't have that backstory, it's still tough to tell people to give up you know, what they really think they need or want or love. Um, so it's been a slow process and I think it's it's a slow process for everyone. And I think for me, it kind of went in kind of two phases. So the first phase was I decided, okay, I'm taking over everything. Um, and this is this is tough, but it's kind of the way you need to do it if you're working with an unwilling partner or family. So I did all the grocery shopping. I did all the research when we needed to buy something new. Um, I was the one when we finally could afford a car that did all the research to get the best option for what we could afford. Um, so I did all of that and it's it's a lot of work, but you can't force someone who doesn't want to do this to do this. Um, so that was the kind of the first phase. I was just like, okay, that's fine. I'm the one passionate about it. I'm going to tackle it. And then I think the second phase was kind of introducing aspects of zero waste that appeal to your partner or family. Um, So for my husband, it's a lot about money. Um, So I actually also have another post about this, um, comparing shopping completely unpackaged at a local um, kind of bulk and, you know, just a regular grocery store with bulk versus Walmart. And the bulk store actually ended up being cheaper. Um, so my husband was very motivated by saving money, um, so I could show him that, and it it really did make a difference. Um, so I think finding kind of what your what aspect of zero waste would most appeal to them. Um, so if they love, you know, a certain style, then you can say, oh well, look how we can incorporate that. Or if they really love to travel, well let's let's save money this way, and then be able to travel more um so you know just finding a way that appeals to it appeals to them but you know in the end I think we can't force people to do what they don't want to do and I think that's really frustrating to a lot of people um but that's the way it is I mean you're you and I are very passionate but you think of someone telling you very passionately about something they care about that you don't care about I mean, how much are you going to change if they're forcing you to embrace it? 
you're not, that's not how humans work. Um, so yeah, just, just be aware that it's going to be a slow ongoing process and, you know, they might not ever meet you where you want to be, but you know, small changes are also important. Definitely. And I think money is probably the easiest way to connect to most people. I know Catherine Kellogg of Going Zero Waste has a fantastic blog post about how she saved, I think it was $12,000 by Going Zero Waste, because with a lot of those products, you have to put the upfront investment. But let's say, for example, you buy unpaper towels or cloth wipes. You buy those once and you can reuse them for years instead of having to buy a new pack of paper towels and uh, Kleenex tissue paper and all of that over and over every month. So you can definitely save money and that's a really great way to connect with other people. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other aspect of that is, you know, a lot of people have this idea of zero waste, but it doesn't have to be matchy matchy mason jars. And it doesn't even have to be on paper towels. When we started, we cut up an old t-shirt. <laughs> so it's very, um, you know, it's it can be as accessible or as excessive as, you know, really you'd like it to be. So make it work for you. So you just mentioned you have a cat that's kind of zero waste. How do you how do you do zero waste with pets? Yeah, so zero waste with pets is interesting. And someone told me, and this this kind of blew my mind because I hadn't thought of it like that. Well, a pet is always going to be lower waste than a human. So you why worry? And I thought that was a really good point um, because I think the the reality is if you want to be very very low waste, you don't have a pet, but that's not realistic for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, just doing the best you can with the resources you have. Um, like for example, in Virginia, where I used to live, I could get bulk litter and bulk cat food. I can't do that here. Um, so we get, you know, the biggest bag of food and the biggest bag of litter and we compost the bags or we save a bag and use it to throw away, um, the litter box. Um, so I don't know that there's a way to be zero, but there are ways to be more mindful. But in the end, you are taking care of this creature. So you need to do what's best for it, um, whether that comes with excess packaging or not, because they unfortunately don't get to choose their lifestyle. <laughs> So you are such an inspiration to all of us in the zero waste community with how involved you are in all these different programs that you run. And I think it's so cool that you do this full time. Like it's your job to be an awesome zero waste person. That is like dream job goals right there. Um, how can people learn more about you? How can they learn about the programs, um, how you do them and how can they support your work? Yeah, I mean, I am all over the place. Um, if you're local, I'm sure you will see me everywhere. Um, if you are not local, I would definitely encourage you to head over to greenindieblog.com. Um, it's about to get a redo, but there are tons of resources there. Um, you know, whether you're a total beginner or you're ready to kind of start your own community and be the leader. Um also come and hang out on Instagram. I'm there a lot at Green Indie Blog. Um, and I always answer my DMs. So I'm happy to answer questions. Um, and as for supporting, I mean, I have a Patreon. 
um, which is linked on my site. Um, I kind of would really like to move away from any kind of ads on my site. So this is kind of my foray into that. And so Patreon members, you know, can get Instagram shout outs or you get access to eBooks or access to online webinars. So I have a lot going on and, you know, whether you can support me monetarily or just by reading and asking questions and sharing, um, that's always awesome. And I really appreciate it. <laughs> and what is your final piece of advice for anybody who's listening? So probably my final piece of advice would just be to try new things, which is incredibly trite, I realize. Um, but I think the biggest part of me being successful in zero waste is being willing to try things, um, you know, whether it's DIYing a new product or leading a workshop when I am really nervous about getting in front of people, try new things and the other aspect of that is try just a few new things. Um, it's very exciting to try and go zero waste all at once, but it's not realistic. Um, so, you know, when you're getting to the next level of your zero waste journey, maybe try one or two new things, one or two new small goals. And once you have made those habits, then move on to something else. So I guess always be exploring, but you know, keep it realistic. <laughs> we still have to live even if we are zero waste. Perfect. I love it. Well, Polly, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey guys, Callie here. Thank you so much for listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. Your support means the world to me. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It only takes 60 seconds, but it really helps because reviews influence how easily people can find this podcast in search results. We also have an exclusive community over on Facebook. So if you want to connect with me and other like-minded people, just type Hippie Haven in the Facebook search bar and join our group. Thanks again and stay tuned every Wednesday for the next episode.